Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. It is Sunday evening and I know you're waking up to Monday morning uh, and I hope you had a great, great weekend. I haven't gone to sleep as yet. <laughs> so um, this one is actually uh, going to be the end of my weekend. I had a long weekend. I'm ready to get back tomorrow. Uh, for a great uh, week ahead. It's going to be a short week because we have a uh, day off on Friday too. Um, so it's good. It's always great to have a bank holiday. Anyway, uh, it is great to have you back. Thank you very much and for the honor of joining me on my podcast. Uh, today's episode is uh, for the events that led up to 1947, all the major events that led up from 1900 to 1947, leading up to the myth of Indian independence. Uh, so we talked about, in general, what my opinion of the Indian independence was, how it worked, how it came to be, and it was it's not what happens on the outside, but it's the currents that form your waves. Um, and we've always looked at what the British said, the British said, the British said, uh, we've never looked at what we have said and what we have done and what are the events that lead up to it. So I gave you the brief history of what happened, the separate electorates um, and uh, the polarization that happened after that. So basically, uh, I'm going to go to the events. Some of the major events that happened along the way uh, from 1900 to 1947. In uh, 1905, we have the partition of Bengal for administrative reasons, okay? The Indian National Congress has always put it as, oh, it's the partition the, the uh, partition of India and the British broke up India and the British, the British, the British, but it was not the British did that for partition of India to break up India. It was for administrative reasons uh, because Bengal was too big a suba, uh, too big a, a province or state to rule. Uh, they were the British were not uh, 300 million. Um, the British were a small contingent on the Indian, um, uh, on, on the Indian subcontinent, and they had to be divided between a huge, huge continent. And um, there were more Muslims on one side, more Hindus on the other side. But by and large, there were also mixed. Areas, however, um, like I said, most, uh, Hindu majority West Bengal, Muslim majority East Bengal. Uh, but uh, in order for administrative reasons to rule correctly, they they commenced uh, an administrative measure by Lord Curzon for the partition of Bengal in 1905. Uh, it did not go down well. People revolted against this. Um, and of course, they were called Hindu radicals. It's very easy to, to do that. They've been doing that for a very long time. Hindu radicals. Everything that's radical is Hindu, which is fantastic. Uh, and ignorant. Uh, but hey, what can I say uh, for a bunch of people who like to point fingers at others, uh, but don't want to look inward. So unfortunately, yes, there were uh, agitation, uh, violence, uh, mixed with uh, a whole lot of other um, events and, and, and explosions and uh, problems that they had on the ground. Nationalism all put together and exploded. Um, it's never one reason why it explodes. When there's an explosion, everything goes up in, in uh, everything comes to the table. All your emotions come to the table. 
and by and by 1911 was it that they they cancelled uh, the partition of Bengal but this bought um, into effect something also very important constitutional reforms in 1906 we talked about the Morley um, Minto reforms and this was influenced by Sir Syed um, who wanted the Muslims on the ground to keep away from Indian nationalism okay he didn't want the Muslims he was a very influential person he he did not want the uh, the Muslims on the ground to uh, be involved in the freedom struggle against the British because they were allied with the British the, the Muslims were allied with the British and they knew if the Br British went um, yeah then they would be in a minority they would not have a way to rise up to power so the the elite of the Muslim League uh, or the Muslims in in India were just a bunch of elite people nobles descendants of nobles and the, and, and the Mughal Empire they didn't really care about the people on the ground they had no contact with the grassroots they had nothing whatsoever they're just a bunch of elitists they thought they could talk about and and uh, you know um, they, they could uh, control everyone on the ground just by their labels and their speeches but they enjoyed great patronage of uh, the Muslims enjoyed uh, Muslim descendants of the Mughal Empire uh, enjoyed great patronage of the uh, British uh, Empire they allied with them um, to keep a hold on to power um, and they asked convinced the uh, the Muslims on the ground not to be involved in 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 the freedom freedom struggle. Um, they also asked for separate electorate, um, expressing concerns with reforms that Indians. Um, they contacted the British and expressed concerns with reforms that in that treated Indians the homogeneous nations. They stressed that Muslims were should be considered a distinct community and constitutional reforms should. Um, consider this fact. So uh, this is what they wanted. Um, but the um, Minto Morley reforms did come about, bringing bringing into effect, um, bringing into effect separate electorates, um, and it was not very well taken by everyone. Uh, absolutely not. Uh, it did not go down well. Uh, the Congress leaders, including Jinnah at that point, uh, criticized this, did not want a separate electorate. Um, and from an administrative point of view, uh, separating Muslims and Hindus and other communities just enhanced the position of the British um, in India as people who would be defending all these small groups and, and minority rights. But uh, the Congress did not accept this. Uh, even the Jinnah did not accept this. And um, this was the start of the Hindu-Muslim divide. Again, it was for administrative reasons. They were approached by the Muslims on the ground for separate electorates because they did not consider... Um, they did not consider uh, the Indian nation or the Indian subcontinent as a homogeneous nation. We know that there are many types of classes, cla castes. We know that there are many types of tribes, communities. Um, it's 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 a vortex of, of currents and waves. So yes, it was uh, it was not accepted. Uh, by 1911, we know the British also annulled the partition of Bengal and. Um, 
that brought about an end to um, a very dark chapter in Bengal's history. So, yeah, now, in at this time, the Muslims, the Muslim leadership, the Muslims did not have any leadership on the subcontinent. All these were descendants of the of the empire, of the Mughal empires. So the few, the the few Anglo, the few Muslims who were there, who were influential, were um, patronage had great patronage with the uh, with the British Empire. They wanted the Muslims to ally with the empire and not ally with the Hindus. They created this divide. The two nation theory was created in the end by the end of the 19th century. And so they were on a roll preaching this divide, this polarization of Hindu Muslim, Hindu Muslim um, from there onwards. And this was the foundation of what we have today. Unfortunately, it did not go down very well. Um, and we see the effects of these, uh, the waves of these currents that started uh, with the two nation theories and, and separate electorates uh, happening today in all over the Indian subcontinent. Now, we know that uh, Jinnah was a very uh, prominent leader in the, in the Muslim League, in the, in the Indian National Congress. He was against this. Um, he was also, he also became a part in 1913, he became a part, a member of the Muslim League and he used his Hindu Muslim, uh, construct to bring people together. Uh, and we know that in, um, around that time, uh, the 1916, we have the Lucknow Pact that was signed by a joint session of both the parties held in Bombay in 1915. And Sarojini Naidu famously called him the ambassador of Hindu-Muslim unity. So uh, this pact of the brought about the common commonalities of both uh, sides, and I'm going to read it to you. The Governor General of India will be the head of the of the government of India. He will have an executive council, half of whom shall be Indians, because prior to that they were Muslims, uh, they were only uh, Europeans, British. The Indian members should be elected by elected members of the Imperial Legislative Council. The strength of the Imperial Legislative Council shall be uh, one-fifty, of which four-fifths of the members shall be elected on a franchise as wide as possible. Muslims should be given one-third representation in the central government based on separate electorates. At the provincial level, four-fifths of the members of the Legislative Council should be elected and one-fifth nominated. All members except those nominated to the provincial legislature should be elected directly based on adult franchise. Uh, there shall be weightage given to minorities in provincial um, legislatives, legislatures, and for Muslims, they shall be represented by the following formula. Punjab, 50%. United Provinces, uh, 30 Bengal, 40 Bihar, 25 Central Provinces, 10 Madras, 15 Bombay, 33 All of this was brought about by Muhammad Ali Jinnah. Uh, also in 1915, we have um, a new established group of the Hindu Mahasabha that was born. Um, and in 1918, um, const Indian constitutional reform was brought about. Very important. The Indian constitutional reform known as the Montagu Chelmsford Report. We learned this in school. Uh, 
Um, and basically, what it said was, oh, people who have been in subcontinent were not um, fit enough to uh, have a responsible government uh, and lead it by themselves. Um, and it did not go down very well. They demanded... Um, it, it, what can I say? They demanded a declaration of rights should be made by the government, whereby Indians should be considered British citizens. Um, no heed was paid to this demand by the local Indians. Uh, the British was, Britishers were not going to be making Indians British citizens. I mean, there were more Indians on the Indian subcontinent than, uh, uh, than in the UK, and they were not going to do that. Um, now, very important that Mahatma Gandhi is not in the picture at this point. He comes to India um, around this time. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, Gandhi and, and um, Jinnah are both Gujaratis. There was a function held uh, in the um, set up by Gujarati society to welcome uh, Mahatma Gandhi in. And um, Jinnah warmly welcomed Gandhi but uh, and praised his leadership, but he did not like Mahatma Gandhi. One of the reasons was Mahatma Gandhi antagonized him. Uh, Jinnah re returned the antagonization and it flew off from there and we've got because of that antagonization they were not able to to they, they locked horns with each other today we have two three different countries on the Indian subcontinent it was all because Jinnah and Mahatma Gandhi did not get along uh, if they had been friends we would not have uh, a divided subcontinent very important to know it was not the British it was this this friendship that went sour that took us to both sides, uh, either ends of the spectrum. Um, as we know, Gandhi says he was happy to meet a Mohammedan, uh, not only belonging to his own region, Sabah, but chairing it. Um, Muhammad Ali Jinnah did not like being called a Mohammedan, although he maintained the facade of, of Muslim being a Muslim on the outside, on the inside, he did not like be, being called a Mohammedan. It did, was not very, very uh, appreciative, uh, appreciated. Um, of course, he would later on go to, to uh, return the favor. Um, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, Jinnah, um, called Gandhi at one of the sessions in 1920, uh, Mr. Gandhi, and he called Maulana Kalamazad, Mr. Muhammad Ali, um, and the, he was hounded for that, uh, after which he leaves the Indian National Congress. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi did not like that someone, uh, he being a, an established polit politician by that time, all of a sudden he's out, he's uh, outfoxed by, by Gandhi, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, sorry, um, and he did not like it one single bit, he did not want to be second fiddle, he did not like Mahatma Gandhi's ideas, he definitely did not like the grassroots movements of Satyagraha and then mass hysteria, uh, of Mahatma Gandhi in the Indian National Congress, and he left. But this was this is where it started, and we are 
three separate countries on the Indian subcontinent because of this moment in time. It's very important to understand that. So the moral of the story is make friends and stay friends, fellas. Um, so obviously uh, the British at this time came about with uh, the Chelmsford report in 1918. Um, and this Chelmsford uh, report basically said um, any system of communal representation is a serious hindrance to um, um, to self-government principle, any general extension of the communal system would only encourage still further demands and would, uh, in our deliberate opinion, be fatal to the development of representation on a national basis in which alone our system of responsible governments can be uh, rooted. Um, so everyone knows today that Minor, this minority majority that we're going through comes from the system of separate electorates. Uh, there is no doubt about that. Um, and we'll see how it, it takes shape and takes form over, um, over, over time. Uh, but even back then they knew that this was a problem. Um, we also know now in 1919, uh, Gandhi begins... Um, the launches the non-cooperation movement through non-violence. Okay, we learned about it in school. Um, non-violence of Mahatma Gandhi, um, and he um, he calls for um, all-out hartals of closing shops and laying down tools, beginning on March of 1919. Okay. Um, it did not really go down well. Um, absolutely did not go down well. Jinnah was absolutely opposed to this and it was not take, taken lightly by anyone. It came back to haunt Mahatma Gandhi and this did not work. It was an absolute sham. Having non-cooperation is good, but it doesn't always bring out results because it's grassroots uh, antagonization. Um, it's, it's a lot of emotions for nothing. Uh, we call it demonstrations nowadays, but Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi launches this non-cooperation movement in 1919. Uh, there are some people who did, um, who did... Uh, uh, heed to the call, uh, but because of this movement, uh, the British had arrested many of the leaders of this movement. Uh, they used Lati charge, excessive force, um, and uh, in in Amritsar, there are people, Europeans killed, and an English woman was sexually assaulted. This brought about, my dear friends, what we all know as the Jallianwala Bagh massacre. In, on 13th of April 1919 by Brigadier General Reginald Dyer. But this was in, in, in the context of Mahatma Gandhi's launching the non-cooperation movement. Uh, the, we are told approximately a thousand people died, uh, were shot to death. It resulted in protests all over Punjab um, with Governor with uh, Michael Dwyer crushed through the police and military action. Um, 
and it, it it was horrible. I think we all know we we don't have to talk about the Jalian Wallabad massacre. It has been inked into our psychic from the time we are born. But we're not told the um, we're not told what um, caused all of this. And what we were not told is very important to understand that this was supported by Indians on the ground. We were told that. Uh, the British were bad, the British were killing us, the British called the massacre, and Mahatma Gandhi was not happy, and, and we, we lost all this. It's as if the, you, to keep the pot boiling all the time, like they say, keep us on a constant state of fear and anger. It was drilled into our memory, but they were not told what was the reason behind it and who supported it. Was it only British or was it the locals? But guess what? All those who were pro-British on the Indian subcontinent and that was all the factions in Punjab, because Punjab was a pro-British uh, province, um, absolutely pro-British province. Uh, and the British invested a lot of investment uh, in Punjab. Most of the armed forces came from this region. And so Punjab, the locals in Punjab, a lot of people uh, supported General Dwyer. It was never told to us. Uh, Punjab chiefs, landlords, conservative circles supported the government, the British government. The heads of the Sufi shrines in Punjab presented a farewell address in 1919 thanking General Dyer for their stern action. And he took to save the Punjab from anarchy and disorder. Uh, they quoted Quranic verses to underscore their loyalty to the British and sanctioned by their faith, the Sikh high priest in, in Golden Temple even went further. They invited General Brigadier Dyer into the Golden Temple where a Sikh, bizarre Sikh religious ceremony, they declared that he had become a Sikh. They, they uh, unofficially converted him to a Sikh. Both Jinnah and, and Gandhi condemned the British attitude. Um, but... Um, yeah, there were a lot of people who supported this, and this was never told to us in school. So we were told, oh, the British were bad. We were not told the other side. Uh, this brought about the Government of India Act in 1919. Um, because of the Rolock Act, uh, that was not taken very clearly, uh, was not accepted, and the adverse effects of the Rolock Act... Um, so this, one of the most uh, important parts of the Rollout Act was the communal representation to separate electorates was extended to Sikhs, Europeans, Anglo-Indians, franchise granted to those who owned property, uh, had a taxable income of paid land revenue of more than 3,000 uh, rupees at that point of time. The seats were distributed among provinces based on communities and their importance from the government point of view. Um, so, like sort of like vote banks, okay, as we have today. Uh, Punjab, the seats were only 13%, were given 18% seats. Um, they deployed uh, similar arguments against Muslims, had used them, uh, had had used when they waited upon Lord Minto and Simla. Um, they asserted that uh, the Sikhs were a distant community and that's why they needed this, uh, but they did not go down very well with the others, and which is which is absolutely normal at that point of time. Um, the group that did not agree with this was the Hindu Mahasabha, um, was completely against separate electorates uh, and special rights for Muslims, 
Um, and others, there was, it also encountered Sikhs who, and others who demand for same counter-Muslim representation in other provinces. Um, so it was not a one-size-fit-all. Um, and it did bring about uh, disturbances in, in society at that point of time. People who were not happy, which is, which is absolutely normal. Uh, of course, we come to what is known now very clearly now, the Caliphate movement. The Caliphate movement, which was a big, big blunder by uh, Mahatma Gandhi. Um, first, we had the non-cooperation movement that, that he called about, which got... Um, the emotions out of everyone, even though it was Satyagraha non-violence, it brought about uh, it brought about the emotions. It stirred up emotions, grassroots levels, uh, antagonized people, uh, made them weary, uh, and that brought about the 1919 Jallianwalabad massacre. On the heels of that, we got the Caliphate movement. Um, the Caliphate movement is a, a movement where uh, the pan-Islamic uh, Muslims wanted to go against the British uh, for the uh, for the Ottoman Empire coming down uh, and in order to win their votes and keep them in 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 the sorry on the pot boiling as they say against the British uh, Mahatma Gandhi supported the Caliphate movement which was a big big blunder even Jinnah did not support uh, this movement, um, it, it, it absolutely, it absolutely turned Jinnah against Mahatma Gandhi because he knew this was a very religious, uh, minded, very communal, and it used, uh, religiosity in politics, um, which was not going to go down very well. And it was going to stir up emotions as a result of which um, there was going to be violence on the Indian subcontinent. And violence did come, my friends. Um, and we had the Mopla uh, genocide of because of this in 1923. Um, we all know that. People have uh, sort of diluted it to say it was, oh, Mopla riots. No, it was the Mopla genocide where 10,000 Hindus and, and, and Muslims also were killed uh, and massacred, basically. Um, the All India Caliphate movement was headquartered in Lucknow, was formed to campaign for the retention of the Caliphate of Ottoman Turkey over the Muslim holy lands in the Middle East. The committee felt that it needed support of Hindus to build a strong campaign against the government, and it turned to Mahatma Gandhi, who responded sympathetically. He was elected the president of the Caliphate Committee. Isn't that great? Um... Uh, the Muslim League um, and the Caliphate movement was not one-size-fits-all. The annual session of the Muslim League was held in Bombay. Um, but in a middle group, there were groups in between who evaded the Caliphate issue and favoured in, instead cooperation with the government uh, in the implementation of 1919. And one of the reasons why it was not a one-size-fits-all, because there was a lot of Muslims, especially in, in, um, especially in 
in Punjab and Bengal who were pro-British. These were all pro-British provinces. The British invested heavily, had uh, had allied with Nawabs and the Maharajas on the ground and the small kingdoms, and they were pro-British, so they did not know what to do. So it, it some people just tried to go over the issue. Some people uh, were, were for the Caliphate movement, but it was a disaster and Mahatma Gandhi should not have been mauled. Um, this led, like I said, uh, a backlash, backlash. The first was the Mopla uprising of 1927-1921 along the Malabar coast in southern India, in which a small community of Muslims known as the Moplas of common Arab and native forebearers of the earliest time settled on the Malabar coast attacked the Hindu landlords and killed them. And um, numbers can go up to 10,000. Um, the government blamed it on the Caliphate movement and used excessive force to crush it. Uh, Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi was not allowed to visit these areas where the trouble happened. Um, but all in all, um, it was a massacre. Uh, the non-cooperation movement continued. Um, although... Like I said, even even among the Congress, there were many factions. There was the left wing, the right wing, the uh, centrist. There were people who opposed this uh, non-cooperation movement um, in put in um, in the nineteen twenties. Um, then comes Jinnah, who leaves the Congress. Okay, very important part. Very, very important part. Jinnah is absolutely flabbergasted with Mahatma Gandhi. He does not like his agitation. He does not like his movements, his Satyagraha movements. He does not like using religiosity in, in, in politics. He wants to keep out of it. He wants to use constitutional methods. And um, by, 19, um, by the 1920s, he had left the Indian National Congress. He was against this completely. Um, and he also did not want... Um, he did not want to ask for independence right away because Muhammad Ali Jinnah realized that we were not, the Indian subcontinent was not ready for, for independence. We were all a mix of tribes and, and, and um, tribes and classes and castes and, and, uh, and a whole lot of provinces. There was no uh, unanimity between anyone. People were poor. People didn't have money. There were slaves. There were serfs. Uh, there were Dalits. And we were not ready. And the Congress wanted to ask for independence right away. But uh, Muhammad Ali Jinnah knew very well that, look, we're not ready for independence from what? We're going to go back into fighting. And which is exactly what happened. Um, so it was very premature and unrealistic for him to uh, ask for, in for independence. Um, but under his leadership, the Congress had transformed from an elite party. Um, of constitutionalists hailing mainly from Hindu upper class and middle class into a party striving to involve masses. Uh, sorry, under Mahatma Gandhi's leadership, however, the Congress was transformed into the, from an elite party of constitutionalists hailing from mainly Hindu upper class 
and even Muslim upper class into a grassroots level um, party to involve masses in the struggle against British domination. Uh, when he also uh, became head president of the Caliphate Com Committee, Mahatma Gandhi tried to bring Muslims and Hindus together and influence the leadership. And Jinnah felt that he was transgressing his limits because he was not a Muslim. Uh, and this was Jinnah's area. So Jinnah was really, uh, their, their char characters and chemistries were exactly opposite. Jinnah is angry. He was felt upstaged against, um, ag for Mahatma Gandhi. He was against civil disobedience. Um, he wanted to use the constitutional methods and thus by that they left. So basically by and large uh, Jinnah leaves no introspection at all by the Indian National Congress and this continues and we get at one point, uh, we get what is now um, Pakistan and India and Bangladesh, obviously. Uh, like I said, my friends, keep your friends as much as possible. Have that conversation, but uh, a split can lead to dire consequences, which happen on the Indian subcontinent. And uh, we're all product of it today, unfortunately. Uh, so we will go on to... Um, some very important points again um, on on this journey of the Indian um, events that happened that lead up to 1947 and independence. Um, along this time, during this time, what is important to note is the RSS is born, and we the Rashtra. Um, Seva, uh, it was born out of the nineteen, the uh, it was born out of the nineteen twenty one uh, Mopla massacres. Uh, of course, it's you know the history. You, we all know what it's called. It's called the militant wing of the Hindu. It's not called a social wing. It's not understand understood as a social wing. But all the Abrahamic groups and especially Indian National Congress, uh, who do not like any competition, think, want to talk about democracy, but, but think that everyone must submit to them and be subjugated to them. Um, and they have been on a campaign of hate uh, against the their rivals, the RSS, from, 19, from 1920s onwards. And it's always uh, talked about as... Uh, a militant wing, but it was never meant to be, and neither does it. Is it a militant organization? It's a social service organization, and like everything else, it has uh, people branch out into militancy, but it's by and large uh, um, a social organization. Um, and the Rashtra, I cannot pronounce it, I'm very sorry. Uh, Swayam Sevak, I hope I got that right, was born in 1925. Uh, very important part of this uh, movement uh, of, of our history because the RSS has gone out into towns as a grassroots movement and uh, to the and they support the Indian government today. And really, I don't take for any one political party or um, 
uh, one political party or one political association or religious association or non-religious. But sometimes going to the, my childhood as a relic of a colonial empire in colonized uh, by the by the Christian communities and as an ex-Christian today I say sometimes maybe if we had better social services uh, better grassroots level they could have helped these descendants of colonized people and um, we would have a better life maybe the, if the RSS was in our life we would have been better people today and we'd have better chances but we didn't we were stuck under the, the yoke of the colonial empires who insist on keeping us as relics of these empires and here we are today so um, I'm always looking for something better and what I got as a start in life didn't really appreciate but uh, we'll take it not a problem we were doing better all the time so we'll go uh, to something very important the Simon Commission we have read about the Simon Commission we've been taught about the Simon Commission uh, the 1919 Act was stipulated that a commission will be set up uh, in 10 years to recommend constitutional reforms and this was for the Minto Morley reforms of separate electorates what happened to it what uh, how did it pan out so in November 96 1927 a commission was set up by John Simon called the Simon Commission um, no some people don't like it being called that way uh, because um, most of the members were European um, and the Commission took a look at um, all the separate electorates and people who were willing to cooperate with the Simon Commission to, to chart out what exactly happened. Um, of course, they came out, it was the Simon Commission arrived in 1928 and was met with black flags and protests. And among those protesters were Lala Rajput Rai, we know who he is. Uh, he was closely connected to the Hindu Mahasabha leadership. He died in these protests um, and that brought about uh, a lot of violence. Um, and it basically almost carnage on the lines of the Jallianwala massacre in 1919. Um, and this was a very important note, footnote in, in the history of events that led up to this, uh, to the Indian independence struggle. Um, in 1928, Motilal Nehru uh, tried to um, take a step back um, and, and examine exactly how to get about getting independence he called an all-party uh, meeting um, of all the different parties on the Indian subcontinent um, which was very intelligent for him which is what we need to do all the time we always need to take a step back and examine what are what the condition is what is the junction in life is and how we can be better and these are some of the things that he came out with the India that India should be a dominion with parliamentary reform government there shall be a state shall have no religion men and women shall have equal rights as citizens elections will be based on universal adult franchise 
Hindustani shall be adopted as a national language with two official scripts, Devangari and the Persian Urdu script. There will be a legislative council consisting of Senate and House representatives. The Governor General will act upon the advice of the Executive Council. The Executive Council will be uh, council will be collectively responsible for Parliament. It will exercise authority in the internal and external dominions, domains on on behalf of the people of India. India will be a federation with an effective centre. The princely states shall be part of the federation. They will continue to enjoy wide internal autonomy, but the authority of, of the demo, democrat, democratically elected governments will apply to the prince, principal Will, will apply to the to principally states as well. Uh, this will be no separate electorates. There will be no separate electorates for minorities. The system of weightage shall be adopted by any province. There shall be no reserved seats for communities in Punjab and Bengal. However, reservations of all Muslim seats should be possible in provinces where Muslim population were the minority, but in strict accordance with the pro proportion of the population. Um, in Northwest Frontier Province, non-Muslims will be will have reserved seats in the portions to their members. Muslims in provinces where minorities and non-Muslims in Northwest Frontier Province can contest additional seats to those reserved for them. Um, the reservations will be reviewed every ten years. The judiciary uh, should be independent from the executive um, uh, hand of government. Uh, Sindh should be uh, separated from Bombay, provided it, it proves to be financially sufficient. Um, the committee rejected objections of Hindus that creation of Sindh would be a concession to the com to communalism. It asserted Muslims were the majority in sin and the majority cannot be denied. Uh, reforms should be introduced by the Northwest Frontier Province and any newly formed province on the same footing as other provinces. So that was a um, that was a Motilal Nehru report, the father of uh, Mahat of uh, Pandit Jawala Nehru. I think that Motilal Nehru was a lot more. Um, was a lot more uh, intelligent than his son. His grandson, great grandson. Uh, this, this this guy was one of the most important fellows in in our history. No one ever talks about Motilal Nehru. We talk about Pandit Nehru, who takes all the spotlight, unfortunately. And his uh, great grandson right now. Um, and so. That was Motilal Nehru. Of course, it was used down the line. Um, and we got, after that, many, many, uh, many other meetings and joint sessions. Well, I wouldn't say joint sessions, but from that... Uh, um, points were taken and added to different to different groups there their their reflections and to different parties who use this this plan and use their points in this plan to um, elaborate on and use it uh, mold it to their own requirements so, so to speak um, so an all party Muslim conference in Delhi and 14 points in, in 1928. Um, Jinnah brought about 14 points, the 14 point uh, resolution. Um, and basically uh, he, he says, he countered this, 
The federal form of government with residual powers rested in provinces, uniform measure of autonomy granted to all provinces, adequate and effective representation to minorities in every legislature. Um, Muslim representation in central legislature should not be less than one third. Separate electorates for communal groups with any, which any community could abandon in favor of joint electorates. Uh, territorial redistribution should not affect the Muslim majority, Bengal, Punjab, and Northwest frontier provinces. Full religious liberty, liberty of belief, worship, and observance, and propaganda, association, and education shall be guaranteed to all communities. No bill resolution of any part, therefore, shall be passed in the legislature or elected body if three-fourth members of any community in that body opposed it on the grounds that it would be injurious to the interests of the community. Sin shall be separated from Bombay Presidency. Reforms shall be introduced into Northwest Frontier Provinces and Baluchistan as other provinces. Adequate representation of Muslims in state services and in local self-government should be with due regard to efficiency. Adequate safeguards for the pro protection of Muslim culture and the promotion of Muslim education, language, religion, personal law, and charitable institutions. At least one-third share for Muslims in the central and all provincial candidates. If he, he's just going on and on. Changes in constitution should be made with the concurrence of the states constituting Indian Federation. Um... Don't they like to, when I was young, we were told, uh, you, you shouldn't serve yourself more than you can eat, uh, or your stomach is, is uh, your, your, your mouth is bigger than your stomach, meaning you're, you're asking for a bit too much, you're pushing it every single time, and this is exactly what Jinnah did, uh, and the Muslim League did, uh, it, it was absolute not acceptable, uh, and they're still doing it today. They always want more, 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 hungry for power. It is typical of Islam all over the world, hungry, hungry, hungry for power. Uh, and this hunger for power and lust is what's got Pakistan in the state it is today. And, this, and, and Islam always in the middle of of violence and 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 anywhere you go you have to have an islamic community uh establishment fighting uh for power and they don't get power they're victims uh, why they are so hungry for power is is because it's a colonial empire it has nothing to do with god um and i'm sorry christianity does the same thing too but this is very very sticky point uh of uh, islam and and their different communities always wanting more uh but refusing to give back in return um unfortunately um and that's one of the reasons we're leaving in bulk um, in bulk because we're tired. We know we cannot change someone else. We can't change a, a, an association, an institution. We can change ourselves. And the only way are to change is to leave. And that's why you see the exodus of ex-Christians and ex-Muslims in the world today. Um, I will leave you on that. Um, because after this, we will we'll go into um, tomorrow. We'll go into two nation theory and how um, basically uh, Muhammad Ali Jinnah then uses polarization to split the the split the two. Uh, s factions apart, and we then get Hindustan and and and. Uh, 
Hindustan and India and Pakistan. Um, but the source of this, the source of all of this, uh, starts, yes, with, with the right request for independence. Um, it starts with separate electorates. Once you have separate electorate, it gives you the foundation to keep asking for more, more, more uh, distinct, distinct uh, uh, requirements and legal uh, associate legal assurances, and that leads to you to be um, you, you listen to the echoes of your own voice. That leads you to further become a state within a state, become powerful from the inside, and you will break open the union. and And that's why it's it's never a good thing to have uh, separate electorates. Uh, but all of this started from there, and of course, the major point in this was um, Mahatma Gandhi and, Mah and Muhammad Ali Jinnah not getting along on the personal level. They just they were just two opposite energies because they were leaders of their movements. This led to their uh, personal opinions and their uh, antagonisms, uh, taking their two political parties as. Uh, to different ends of the spectrum. We also talked about Muhammad Ali um, Jinnah, who did not like Muhammad's uh, non-cooperation, uh, resistance, uh, grassroots level movements, and his Satyagraha, knowing fully well that it'll be, um, it'll lead to riots, and it'll lead to uh, problems, it'll, it'll lead to anarchy. Uh, he did not like it, he did not like it. Eventually he does break out, um, and of course, Mahatma Gandhi and Nehru uh, then take uh, the rest of the Congress all the way till 1947. Um, we are definitely going to talk about some most important um, events in this in this timeline. Um, the non-cooperation movement of the Satyagraha movement of Mahatma Gandhi, which was a failure. The Khalifat movement, which was an absolute other failure. Um, and we will go tomorrow into... Um, the era from the Second World War, where the Congress was against the war, did not want to send Indian soldiers. Um, we have um, Jinnah and the Muslim League, who wants, who is okay to send Muslim, uh, Indian soldiers and allies with the British, and we'll also talk about the 1942 uh, jailing of all Indian National Congress leaders, which leaves the way open for, Maha for Jinnah to take over uh, the subcontinent and the rest is history. But we'll go into the dates of that uh, tomorrow. Uh, for now, we'll take your, a break. Uh, and I hope that you can um, go into this yourself, research it, uh, look at different angles, uh, try not to use emotion because I know it's very difficult and hopefully um, you know we can heal uh, with knowledge. So thank you very much for your time. Um, I hope you have a great week ahead and we'll talk tomorrow.